Hi, I'm Karen Elliott, and you're listening to the District B-Sides Podcast, where you'll hear in-depth conversations with council, staff, and community members to take you behind the decisions that are being made on topics that matter to Squamish. Now let's tune in and join the conversation. Karen Elliott, and today I'm joined by Councillor Doug Race and District of Squamish Planner Sarah McDanett for a conversation about marine planning, our role as a local government, and some of the work we are doing to regulate marine zoning in a way that will enable us to better coordinate the shared use of our marine coastal area, as well as protect and maximize our incredible Squamish waterfront and marine resources in Akatsum, Howe Sound. So, um, Sarah and Doug and I just came out of a mayor's drop-in where we were talking about marine zoning. Um, so we'll use today's uh, podcast as, as part of our opportunity to f- reflect on what we've heard. But first, um, let me just go over to Sarah to talk a little bit about why marine zoning and why now. Obviously, people have had a relationship with House Sound Akatsum since time immemorial. Um, but this is really the first time the district has turned its eye to marine zoning. So maybe talk a bit about our marine strategy and, and where this has come from, Sarah. Thanks so much, Mayor Elliott. Yeah, I think that really what we've seen over the last many years is kind of continued transformation for Squamish. So we're continuing to experience so much growth and revitalization of our um, of our downtown and waterfront areas. And so focusing in on our marine environment um, and that whole sort of reorientation to the water has been uh, a priority of council. And in 2018, the district undertook a, a marine action strategy, which is really like an action agenda. It was an opportunity to basically identify all the kinds of actions and key focus areas that that we really wanted to um, uh, to pay attention to and highlight the things that we needed to do sort of outside kind of larger planning processes. One of the actions that came to the top in the marine action strategy was to basically uh, refine and review our marine zones. And so in the municipality, we've had so many um, we've had long-standing industrial zoning that's been applied to, to marine areas. And when we updated our official community plan, we realized that the designations and the land use regulation for marine areas was really out of step or out of sync with uses that were actually happening uh, in marine areas and then looking to the future. So it was really an important step for us to increase alignment and set an overall marine use framework going forward. So, Doug, now you've been, this is your fourth term on council, and so how, you know, as you see this coming forward, sort of what's the evolution of your thinking around our our marine area and why this is important now? Yeah, thank you. Um, my background is actually in recreational boating, and, and I've seen uh, in other places in British Columbia, other coastal communities in British Columbia, um, their waterfront development um, and what they've done to maximize the use of their waterfront for their people in, in their co- various communities. And it's usually uh, a blend of uh, environmental sensitivity uh, in some areas, uh, commercial activity in other areas, uh, and recreational activity um, in some areas. And so I think that's what I'm looking for here. Um, Historically, when I first started working in Squamish back in 1978, uh, the blind channel was where the logs were dumped. 
the railroad came down there, cars were unloaded, trucks were unloaded, uh, logs were put in the water, sorted, towed away, uh, and it was a very busy industrial area. Uh, that stopped for various reasons over the years, uh, and we're left with now some sort of old industrial zoning along there. Uh, and now we're trying to transition into what I think is more appropriate for Squamish. Uh, there's various different uses and potential uses, recreation, uh, commercial, uh, and also some sensitive areas that we want to protect. And so I think this is part of that process. It's part of my vision, certainly, for the waterfront. Uh, and it's happening along the Blind Channel. More will be happening at the south end of the Oceanfront Peninsula with a park there. Uh, the Catamole Slough, which is largely going to be uh, protected for um, environmental reasons. So I think this is uh, this is an evolution going on. It will take a few years. It's not going to happen overnight. Um, and part of it also that, that we see it's quite visible is floodproofing our downtown. And it's impossible to divorce that from this discussion. Uh, we have to uh, create the sea dike along there, and we've got part of it. And we'll be building more as we go along and, and developing along the blind channel side. Yeah, there's. I'm glad you raised that. There's certainly an element of resiliency that that has to be part of this conversation for our community. But Sarah, why don't we um, why don't we walk through the five zones uh, that that we're proposing just so people get a sense. Obviously, we can't show maps and that sort of thing on a podcast, but they are available on our website. But uh, Let's just talk about the five zones uh, briefly. What's what's included in each of them, and um, and we'll go from there. Sounds great. So we have five new proposed marine specific zones, and these are zones that are applied to water areas. So we're talking about waters that are below the natural boundary, recognizing though that there's you know uplands um, beyond above the foreshore that that we really need to focus in on as well. The five new zones are M1 through M5, and so we have a, a generalized um, kind of category of marine use for each, and each zone contains, um, regulates uses and the density of use within them. So the M1 zone is for marine navigation, and this is really kind of a transitory marine zone that provides for kind of general navigation, public recreation. Uh, we've also added aquaculture to this M1 zone. Um, it's being applied to open water uh, areas within the municipality that are outside of other, um, of sort of key mixed use waterfront sites, as well as outside of some of the intensive industrial sites that we have. So the Squamish terminals, the site B, um, it's like be uh, industrial area as well as the wood fiber site. Um, the M1 zone uh, also permits things like public boat ramp as well as community water access. And that's something that's really critical in all of our marine zones is water access for the community. And maybe I'll just stop you because when people hear aquaculture, they can get pretty hot under the collar. Um, so I'm wondering if you can, does that include fish? What kind of aquaculture are we talking about? Yeah, great question. So currently aquaculture is a, a permitted use within our resource zone that applies to the, uh, the majority of the marine water uh, within the district. We've defined aquaculture as um, uh, rearing and cultivating um, uh, uh, shellfish 
or marine plants. So our definition excludes fin fish aquaculture, um, which is often, um, you know, something that that is uh, of high concern um, from an environmental standpoint uh, in many communities. So um, I'm actually not sure uh, how long we've we've had that definition for aquaculture. I, I do want to go back and and see sort of the evolution of that definition. Um, but we have added uh, aquaculture um, for shellfish or marine plants uh, to the M1 zone. And I think uh, anticipating, we don't have any aquaculture happening in marine areas right now, but thinking ahead to um, things like kelp farming uh, that we're starting to see more of and, and is a, an interesting um, opportunity, I think, on the carbon front uh, in terms of sequestration. So we, we're looking to the future um, and we know that um, that kind of uh, sort of kelp or seaweed farming is, is also happening uh, on the west coast of the uh, Vancouver Island and definitely could, um, although we're not sure how it would necessarily, where and how it might apply for how sound, um, it's definitely an opportunity. Great. Thank you for that. So just to keep uh, rolling through, the M2 uh, zone that we're proposing is for marine mixed use. And this is a, a zone that we would apply and are proposing to apply to the many um, commercial marinas that we have within the municipality in the Mamquimbline Channel. Uh, a lot of all of these uh, marinas right now are zoned industrial, and there's no regulation in terms of uh, density of use or uh, connection to uh, essential services like water and sewer. Um, and and there's no regulation around you know things like boat sheds or heights of structures and things like that. So we have developed an M2 zone for these marinas. They also permit things like marine retail, uh, marine fueling uh, if it's associated with a marina, um, outdoor recreation storage, restaurant kind of community and institutional uses, things that that um, sort of are are a great fit with um, kind of a mixed use marine. Uh, type context. The M3 zone is a marine recreation zone, uh, and that's to provide public marine recreation access um, for, uh, we've applied it specifically to uh, the Wuneak Park waterfront, um, the water lot there in the downtown. Uh, and so we're starting there, uh, and then also it may be a zone that we can apply to future uh, waterfront marine recreation access. Uh, sites as well. We have introduced an M4 marine log storage zone, and this is to apply specifically to the um, log storage tenures that exist uh, within the municipality. So uh, predominantly log storage that's happening um, uh, basically south of Site B and um, sort of south of Darrell Bay to Watts Point. And log storage areas, um, they're longstanding. Um, right now, they're holding kind of more of a generalized industrial zoning that is, you know, kind of was set up more from a terrestrial standpoint. So this M4 zone um, is one that's very specific to on-water logs, uh, log storage, as well as water-based log handling, where it's adjacent to an upland log sort. And so within this zone, we are introducing some new uh, siting and setback regulations that based on best management practices uh, for log storage activity. Um, and that's to offset those uh, areas from uh, important fish habitats and also to um, 
require a minimum depth uh, for log storage so, so that uh, we don't see sort of tidal grounding on the foreshore. And these are ways that we can help to, uh, you know, support um, uh, environmental protection kind of uh, in association with these types of uses. And like I said, they're, they're kind of best management practices that um, industry is, is required to follow, but we're kind of bolstering that within our own regulation. And then finally, the M5 zone is a spot zone for the Darrell Bay Ferry Terminal. And so the ferry terminal there allows um, ferry terminal use and some uh, um, associated office uh, and uh, passenger uh, marine transportation services as well. Great. And then I think, you know, we talk about the importance and, and Doug was mentioning this about some environmental protection as well. And so there's also, um, we're using the P4 zone, which already exists. Exactly. Which is around ecological conservation. That's right. Yeah. So we have been uh, looking at areas that, that do need to um, uh, be protected for uh, ecological reasons. And so we have proposed to um, apply the P4 ecological reserve zone to areas within the upper reaches of the Memquim Blind Channel, north of the highway bridge, um, as well as uh, a portion of Cattermole Slough and the Stuamis River outlet within the Memquim Blind Channel, which is uh, these are sort of higher sensitivity habitat areas, and there's an opportunity for us to sort of set that uh, uh, direction within our, our regulation. Um, and so, yeah, we've, we've started to do more of that work and we're relying on and sort of informed by um, larger assessment that's actually happening within the greater house sound area uh, through some really cool projects that we've had the opportunity to participate in. So we can talk about that too in time. Yeah, I definitely want to get to that. Um, and uh, as Doug says, you can't draw lines in the water. So, so we are part of a, of a larger ecosystem around House Sound. But so now that we've sort of dealt with the, dealt with the nuts and bolts of the five marine zones, um, we all were just part of um, a conversation for Mayor's Drop-In around the marine zoning topic. And I know, Sarah, you've done a lot of engagement around this work over the last little while. So I think it's important, you know, what I love about Mayor's Drop-In is that you get to hear the perspectives of, of newly arrived residents in Squamish, as well as people that have been here for decades. Um, and we get a sense of what's important to them sort of around the marine environment from for social, economic, environmental reasons. And I think we heard about all three um, when we were, we were on that call. So maybe Doug, maybe you can reflect on something you heard um, that we got feedback on um, that people are thinking about when it comes to marine zoning and want us to think about as we bring these bylaws forward. Well, one of the things that, that came out of it was, um, was the possible conflicts and uses and, and, and the management of these areas. Um, the blind channel is actually a relatively small waterway, uh, and it's quite confined, smaller even than False Creek, for example, in Vancouver. Uh, and so as we get more and more traffic, whether it's commercial or recreational, uh, we're going to have to pay attention to, uh, to just safety and, and how we're going to manage that. Uh, there's the possibility of a seaplane dock uh, at the mouth of the blind channel attached to the oceanfront development. 
Uh, it's not likely that they will be landing or taking off from the blind channel, but they will be out in the sound going back and forth to that uh, takeoff and landing area from the dock. And so paddlers, recreational users, boaters, and so forth will have to be able to pay attention to that. And I've seen examples of that in other communities. Victoria is the one that is probably the most intensely managed in this coast uh, with a lot of uh, float plane activity, flights, regularly scheduled flights to Vancouver and Seattle and other places. Uh, a ferry coming in three or four times a day from, uh, from the Olympic Peninsula, as well as a lot of uh, small craft uh, traffic and kayakers and so forth. And so they manage it uh, quite intensely. They have a patrol that's on there all the time and, and people are required to take certain zones for certain activities. We may get to something like that. We're going to have to consider that going forward as the traffic increases and how we accommodate <clears throat> all the different uses, uh, wind sports, uh, recreational traffic and commercial traffic coming in out of the blind channel and so forth. So that's something going forward uh, that we'll have to manage. The other part of management that's been talked about in the past is right now the blind channel uh, silts up quite significantly with water and silt coming down the Stuamis River. Uh, and it creates a sandbar that just slowly creeps across right to the other side. And, and I was on council two terms ago when we applied some money to dredging uh, about a 50 foot wide channel through it. Uh, but it's not a permanent solution. It's something that's going to be ongoing. And so it's something that we're going to have to watch. Uh, however, we set up the management of the blind channel area. Uh, things like that will have to continue to be done. And so it's, there's going to be a process going forward. Thanks. Sarah, what's something that you took away from the conversation we had at Mayor's Drop-In about what is important to people, what they're, what they're curious about? I think that what really struck me and certainly was a message that came in long, loud and clear when we worked through the Marine Action Strategy was really the focus around uh, public access and opportunity to get close to the water. And I think um, the biggest opportunities for us going forward are certainly through uh, oceanfront park development that will have kind of a, a large public beach that will get people up and close with the, with the ocean. Um, but then also just recognizing the diversity of access needs. So, you know, we're, we're dealing with, you know, kids and families, uh, you know, kind of getting the toes wet and, and, you know, playing in the water, but then also uh, recognizing that there's a, a very um, uh, strong kind of uh, community of, of paddlers and that sport has really grown. And then, you know, there's wind sport users. Um, but so there's quite a diversity and, and recognizing also that there's kind of commercial activity that is happening alongside that. So it's not just individuals, but there's, you know, um, an interest um, from, you know, commercial guiding outfitters, and it's attracting a lot of visitors from outside the community as well. Um, you know, we've seen in the last many years, kind of the, the Canadian uh, downwind championships happening in the sound that draws international uh, folks. And so I think access really needs to uh, continue to be, you know, a, 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 an important um, to figure out how is this all working. And I think as as uh, sort of waterfront redevelopment happens um, continuously, we have to keep a holistic picture on where what access is being provided where and 
um, how do we manage uh, the, the diversity of users and access points. Um, and so it is a bit of a puzzle uh, and it's gonna take some uh, focused effort to really work through that. So that's something that we're looking forward to um, to getting after after the marine zoning work is is done um, in the next couple months here. Yeah, and I think you know you hit on a key point, which is we have to do this with and in conversation with a lot of other people. So we don't certainly have all the answers within the District of Squamish, and so engaging and that ongoing engagement with water users, whether um, it is industrial users, recreational users, commercial users, it's that is key. And um, and so where on our website can people find more information about the marine zoning? Because I want to talk briefly about some of the more regional pieces of work that are going on. You bet. Uh, you can find marine zoning, uh, the project page at squamish.ca forward slash marine dash zoning. Uh, you can also just search for marine zoning update in the search box and it will come right up. Excellent. Now, you both have been involved in, in more regional work around House Sound, and I think it's important for people to understand what some of that work is. Um, so uh, there's the Ocean Watch Action Committee um, that, uh, that produced an amazing marine reference guide, and then there's also the uh, UNESCO Biosphere Reserve application that's been submitted uh, for House Sound, a CATSUM. So maybe um, I can turn it over to you, Doug, to talk a little bit about your work there, and, and Sarah, you can jump in. Thank you. Yes, this is, uh, this is actually quite exciting for me. Um, about three years ago, uh, we were asked, we being the District of Squamish, were asked <clears throat> to appoint a representative to what was called the Ocean Watch Task Force. And that was a task force created as a result of a resolution of the House Sound Forum, the elected officials of the House Sound area. Uh, and it was given a mandate to look at uh, several different things that came out of the OceanWise, the Ocean Watch um, Handbook. Can't remember the exact name of it now, Ocean Watch Handbook. And, and so I've been on that committee for the last three years. Uh, Sarah has also been part of that committee as a staff representative. Uh, we've taken a number of initiatives, and it includes representatives of all the municipalities and regional districts uh, around Howe Sound, uh, as well as staff uh, people. And we look at various issues in Howe Sound. We've looked at derelict We've looked at sponge reef issues, uh, lobbied DFO, uh, for example, to increase some of the protected areas. Uh, and so we have a variety of different things going on. We're associated with, but not directly in yet uh, the House Sound Biosphere Reserve Initiative Society. That society was set up by a group of private citizens uh, to create a UNESCO Biosphere Reserve. And they're well, away, well along the way to having that completed. And the Biosphere Reserve would include the waters of House Sound, but also the lands going up more or less to the height of land around House Sound. Uh, which captures the area that the rivers flow through that feed into Howe Sound. Uh, and its, its goal is, uh, as you can imagine, is sustainability and sustainable practices uh, throughout the Sound. And it really uh, involves all of the communities. It's impossible to really segment this. Squamish, I think, has a great leadership role to play uh, in the development of Howe Sound. Uh, we are one of the largest communities uh, West Vancouver is a larger community, but only has a small portion that's actually on Howe Sound. 
And so I think we really have a role to play. Sarah has been uh, one of the things we've done in this past uh, few years. We've started a marine reference guide, uh, which is a significant planning tool. Uh, we've set up a, a, an oversight committee, and Sarah is part of that. We decided to keep the politicians off of that, so we... <laughs> <laughs> it's never a bad idea. For this reason, and so Sarah is, is on it. We wanted uh, some planning expertise. We've got people from private industry. I'll let Sarah speak more about that. Uh, and that, I think, will, it's almost completed, will produce a very, very helpful planning tool for anybody doing anything in house sound, whether it be municipal governments, uh, private industry, recreational, uh, and so forth. It will let them know where the sensitive areas are and what to do and what not to do, I think, in these areas. It's super exciting uh, to be a part of these uh, initiatives that are happening in house sound. And I think what uh, I think the some of the key benefits are working in collaboration with uh, local and regional governments, First Nations um, around House Sound. And I think there's so much commitment and so much energy and passion for um, uh, stewardship and sustainability. And so I, I definitely uh, think that uh, we've been able to work in concert and really build bridges um, and then also political support and kind of pulling in the same direction. Um, through the House Sound Community Forum, uh, the work with the Ocean Watch Action Committee, and then also um, through the, the House Sound Biosphere Region Initiative. I think that's going to be sort of the next level of, um, you know, bringing kind of the region um, uh, into uh, sort of a, a really high profile um, and, and recognizing the kind of ecological significance of, of House Sound Akatsum as well. Um, the, the marine reference guide work that we're doing um, in um, uh, through the Ocean Watch Action Committee is going to be this uh, tool, as Doug said, a decision support tool, and we're already sort of testing and using it. It's basically uh, mapping that brings together and collates a whole host of different types of data and uh, ecological and traditional knowledge um, and human use values. And so uh, it's it's mapping that um, will be able to be used by local governments and First Nations and citizens and organizations around House Sound. Uh, so we're looking to bring that forward uh, out as in a public facing, in a public version uh, this coming June. So there will be a number of workshops um, and some um, some additional information about about that new tool. That is exciting. I think that is. Um, I know we're all waiting to see that. Uh, and it started out as an idea, as you said, Doug, at, at a house on forum many years ago. And um, and I think that concerted uh, effort um, has is really going to produce something that's uh, very useful. And as you say, Sarah, the collaboration is key. So with the pressure on on oceans because of climate change, because of increased economic and recreational use. It's certainly the conversation going forward will never be dull around um, how sound or certainly around our waterway. And uh, I wanna thank you both for taking the time today to, to dig a little deeper and understand, help our citizens understand a little bit better uh, what's going on in the marine environment. So thank you both. My pleasure. Thanks for joining us today on District B-Sides. If you'd like more information about marine zoning, you can go to our website, 
squamish.ca forward slash marine dash zoning. And if you've got any feedback about our podcast, let us know. You can send an email to communications at squamish.ca. Thanks for joining us. Mm-hmm.